Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. First, we have to come to that place where we admit that in and of ourselves we are powerless. And we also have to come to that place where we readily admit and acknowledge that we don't know what to do. And then we also have to come to that place where instead of looking to ourselves, we're looking to the Lord for help. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. In light of COVID-19, Pastor J.D. is sharing some special messages. Many people wonder why God doesn't seem to bless them on a daily basis. We're reminded today by Pastor J.D. that God's promised us anything we ask for, if it's for our good and His glory. Cry out to God for anything that's in your heart. He may not fulfill it in the way you expect, but know that He wants to bless you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 as he continues his message, Simply Pray. Parenthetically, let me say there is absolutely nothing wrong and really everything right with reminding God of the promises that He has given us in His Word. This is what Jehoshaphat is doing. He's reminding God, as if to say, again, this is bold confidence, as he's crying out to God, approaching God at the temple, the throne of grace, if you prefer, and he's reminding God, God, you gave us your Word. You gave our forefathers your word, that whenever we were up against what we're up against right now, war, sword, plague, or famine, that we could come to you and cry out to you, and you would hear us, and you would save us. Nothing wrong with that. But now, Jehoshaphat continues, here are men from Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? It's not like Jehoshaphat needed to let God know and and remind God as if God wasn't seeing what was going on. Of course he saw what was going on. And he's actually recounting this uh, time when the Israelites in the Exodus uh, went around the uh, area known as Moab and Mount Seir. And now this is how they and they, they could have, but they didn't, because God told them not to. They could have destroyed them, but they didn't. And now Jehoshaphat is going, this is how they repay us? Our God, verse 12, will you not judge them? And then he says this, and I want you to pay particular attention to not just what he says, but how he says what he says. He says, for we have no power. In other words, we are powerless. We are hopeless. There is no hope. 
to face this vast army that is attacking us. And then he says this, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Dare I say, this is music to the ears of Almighty God. Wait a minute, what, what did you just say? What did you just pray? Did you just say that you are powerless? Perfect. Did you just say that you are helpless? Yeah, I did. Did you just say that you don't know what to do? Yeah, I don't know. We don't know what to do. What are we going to do? Did you just, Jehoshaphat, say that your eyes are on me? Yeah. Watch me now. Watch me now. You know, I want to be gracious in how I say this, and maybe I'll just use myself as the poster child, so to speak. But my problem is, is that I still believe that God helps those who help themselves. I'll never forget as a new believer, I was talking to my cousin, I was just so on fire for the Lord, and, and I was talking about, you know, just my love for the Lord, and I'm, I'm born again, and, and I wanted him to know the Lord, and I'm sharing the Lord with him, and we got onto this topic, and I'm saying, yeah, I'm just, I'm praying for this. And, and then he says, well, you know, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. And I hadn't read the Bible yet all the way through for the first time. So I'm like, well, yeah. And then I, I started looking for that verse. And I guess it's supposed to be supposedly next to another saying that we think is in the Bible, that cleanliness is next to godliness. I don't know, maybe it's in like first Fleshanonians or whatever, but it's not, it's not there, nowhere to be found. In fact, I would argue that it's the opposite that's true. It's not that God helps those who help themselves, it's that God helps those who can't help themselves, because in the end He gets the glory, He alone gets the glory. No flesh will glory in His presence. I mean, when Jehoshaphat basically says this, it is exactly, I, I hate to say it this way, but for lack of a better way of saying it, it is the perfect combination to unlock the power, the almighty power of Almighty God. First, we have to come to that place where we admit that in and of ourselves we are powerless. And we also have to come to that place where we readily admit and acknowledge that we don't know what to do. And then we also have to come to that place where instead of looking to ourselves, we're looking to the Lord for help. Simply put, God has brought Jehoshaphat and the Israelites to this place where the situation is absolutely impossible. See, when it's impossible for man, it's possible for God. But it works both ways. Conversely, when it's still possible for man, 
I think it's impossible for God in the sense that it's hands off, because God will not force Himself on us. I know in my own life, in my own experience, I got the scars to prove it. There have been so many times where I've tried in my own strength, the energy of my own flesh, thinking, okay, I can do this. And it's like the Lord's just waiting, saying, okay, just let me know when you're ready. I'll be here. And when you come to that place, that realization that it's impossible, and then you come to me and say, Lord, I can't do this. That's when I will say to you, well then let me do this for you and instead of you. And how do you know that I didn't bring you to this place so that you would come to that realization that it's impossible for you, but it's not impossible for me. And how else would you witness how I can do the impossible were the situation not first impossible. Now it gets interesting in verse 13, we're told all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. I think that's a very important detail in the narrative. And I think it's there for a reason. I think that reason is because it speaks to the importance of children witnessing and watching and seeing firsthand their parents cry out to God in a situation like they were in, so they could also see the response, the miracle that God was about to do. There's something about children, because it's not what our children are taught as much as it is what is caught. And what I mean by that is our children watch us, they imitate us, they mimic us. I mean, we can tell them till we're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, what they learn from us the most is they watch our decisions, what we do. Do we go right to prayer? Is prayer the last resort or the first response? And they're watching us. I never forget when our, they were um, still at home, our kids, when we did this building project. And there were times where, I mean, I'm just literally on my face, and they would come upstairs and they would see me before the Lord, just crying out to the Lord like Jehoshaphat, Lord, I don't know what to do. (laughs) This is, this is hopeless. I feel so powerless. But my eyes are on you. And they watched that, and they saw me go through that. And at first, it's pride. You don't want your kids to see you in moments like that, where you're just, you know, in the fetal position before the Lord, just crying out to the Lord. But in retrospect, it was probably one of the best things that could have ever happened, because they watched me, and they saw what God did. I'll never forget one of my sons saying to me, God is so much more real to me, and my faith is so much stronger because of what God did and what I saw you go through. And then to see what God did. And so what was being modeled was that when 
something like this happens when the situation is very difficult, even impossible. You go right to the Lord, and you cry out to the Lord, and you confidently, boldly approach His throne of grace in your time of need. And you can have this confidence that if you ask anything according to His will, you're going to get what you asked for, whatever it is, as fantastic as it might seem, as extravagant as it might be. So verse 14 gets even more interesting. We're told then, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Now, why is that interesting? Because this is not a prophet. This is a Levite, a priest. God is about to speak, not through a prophet, through a priest, a Levite. That is so unusual. Why do I point that out? Because sometimes the way God is going to speak to us may not be in the way that we think. I think of something Oswald Chambers once said, you know, we're waiting for God to open up a door. Well, we're standing there waiting, and He doesn't open up the door. What if God doesn't want to open up a door? He wants to open up a window. He might want to use an unusual way to get through to you. And we're so sort of conditioned that this is the only way that God's going to speak. No, God can speak through a donkey. (laughs) Hello. Here He chooses to speak through a Levite. Here's what the Lord spoke to them through this Levite. Verse 15, He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, this COVID-19, For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, here's your marching orders. Verse 16, tomorrow march down against them. Okay. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. And then he says this in verse 17, you will not have to fight this battle. Really? For real? Yeah. So what, what are we going to do then? What, what should we do? Just stand there. What? Yeah, just stand there. That's what he says. Take up your positions, stand firm. Just stand there and look pretty. <laughs> Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. And then he says it again, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And that's what they do. I would really encourage you to read the rest of the chapter. It's that famous account. We've written songs about it. We've quoted verses 
from it. The battle belongs to the Lord. And this was one of those cases where the Lord says, you know what, (laughs) this situation is so impossible, you're not even going to have to fight at all. I'm going to do this for you instead of you. All you have to do is stand firm and see what I am going to do. And God delivers them into the hands of the Israelites. And it is absolutely a miraculous victory that was brought by the hand of God as only He can. Now, let me hasten to say that this in no way means that there aren't those times when God will have us fight the battle in order to have the victory. Actually, there are numerous accounts of the Israelites having to go into battle in order for them to possess the promised land. However, the victory will always come. Why? Because the Lord will hearken unto the voice of our cry. That, of course, presupposes that we're going to cry out to the Lord for Him to hearken unto. I would suggest that if there was ever a time to pray, this might seem like a firm grasp of the obvious, but I say it nonetheless, if there was ever a time to pray, now is that time as we face what is looking like an impossible global crisis that is likely to get even worse in the days, weeks, and months ahead. I'm going to be talking about what's coming next, and I have to confess that (laughs) I don't know what I would do if I didn't know the Lord and no Bible prophecy, particularly concerning the pre-tribulation rapture, that's our only hope. We call it the blessed hope. It's not just the blessed hope. It's our only hope. I was thinking about this this last week, and I was just reminded of how grateful I am that I know the Lord, and that in the midst of all that's happening, I can go to Jesus anytime, anywhere, about anything. And the Lord just kind of brought to my remembrance that famous hymn of old, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I want to share this with you. It was written by Joseph Scriven in the year 1820. I would actually even take it a step further and encourage you to go online and just kind of search this hymn and this author of this hymn. And I mean the the unspeakable, unthinkable tragedy that he experienced in his life. It was actually these 
trials and these impossible situations that under the weight of most would have just crumbled and caved. It was because of those experiences in his life that he was inspired to write this classic hymn about the simplicity of prayer and simply taking everything to the Lord in prayer. Indulge me if you would. I want to read. I won't sing it. I won't do that to you. I'll just read the words to this classic hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful, who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms He'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Blessed Savior, Thou hast promised, Thou wilt all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to Thee in earnest prayer. And then my favorite part, soon in glory bright unclouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture, praise, and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. 
Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's office at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 